conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media, and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash Girls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash Girls. Sign up today. I just came back from the salon, and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. (laughs) Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time (laughs) with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells unbelievable. Believable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. I went to electoral college and aced chemistry. Trump's love tank is empty and he's driving to prison. That was my best work. Oh my God. (laughs) 
Oh my God, you guys, it's Andy's Girls, episode 184. And I just realized I want to just see, well, I guess we'll get to it, but I just want to see if Vicky posted anything. Oh my God. I don't think she did, right? I'm looking at her social right now. No, she's selling sweats, uh, looks like on Instagram stories. And then she has a glass of wine from election night. Okay, um, guys, it's Andy's Girls. <laughs> Um, it's episode 184, and I'm so excited to be joined by none other than my Bravo Bestie, assistant editor at Betches Media, co-host of the podcast, Mention It All, creator of Bravo by Betches. It's none other than Dylan Hafer, registered voter. Registered voter, yes. Uh, thank you for having me back. It's been, (laughs) it's been a minute. I don't think Potomac was on yet the last time I was on. Oh, Lepod, so <laughs> it's it's an ex- it's funny like Potomac wasn't on and then now it's like the only show I mean it is like the only show amen and I'm so excited for us to have a second show next week with Salt Lake City so that we have <sighs> two shows on the air just two two wonderful shows um I will say it's it's interesting because I for my podcast, we do three episodes yeah. a week. and Oh, my God. Crazy. So we, crazy. I mean, we basically, I mean, we mention it all, if you will. Oh. Ah. So we are, we are watching and talking about Orange County yeah. in a mm-hmm. mindful way as much as possible. Mm-hmm. We're watching Southern Charm. I, we watch Below Deck. Like, there's, there's always, like, more shows, but it's, like, Potomac's the one that is, like, the, clearly the the centerpiece right now i draw the line oh my god totally. i draw the line we don't watch or talk about um what's People? it called don't be tardy <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was like a it was like a 10 second discussion of like are we gonna watch that and i'm like no we're no, not. it's honestly I and I haven't watched Southern Charm, which I just don't like. I think they're all honestly all trash people. I may have it on just to like, but I don't think I, there's going to be anything there. Yeah. And I will totally watch Below Deck because I die for Captain Lee, but I just haven't watched it yet because we've had a week. Dylan Hafer, we've had a week. Who can concentrate? Oh, we have had a week. <laughs> I just watched Potomac yesterday. Day? Is that true? Or I watched it the day before. I was very late on <laughs> even watching Beloved RHOP because I just was like, really? Well, you know this because we text 24-7. I was very, very, very stressed out as I know all of us were, or many of us were, yeah. um, the people with pulses. And <laughs> I, I just like... On election night, election night was a, you know, we're recording this Sunday morning. We were going to record yesterday and things happened. We had to open <laughs> some stuff. Um, I just got very nervous. And I think you were the one who said it best when you were, I think it was you who was like, it's like you have 2016 PTSD because mm-hmm. I, when stuff started going a certain way on election night, I thought, oh my God, it's happening again. And I got really nervous. And even in our like DM thread with us and several of our other Bravoholic BFFs, there were people who were like, it's still going to happen. It could still happen for Joe. And I was like sort of a little bit of a negative Nelly because I just was so, I felt trapped. Like I just felt like this is going to happen again. I need to sort of start dealing with it to process it. Mm -hmm. But it was scary. I think it was really scary. The thing is in 2016, I think we people were so confident and you know 
the polling was so confident confident and all of that and whatever and it just went so wrong and so I think it felt irresponsible to feel too kind of positive this year and to Mm -hmm. feel comfortable and just to make assumptions and you know fortunately by you know Wednesday morning there were like trends that were emerging that seemed to make it clear that which way it was going to go but it was still one of those Mm -hmm. things where because the counting took such a long time it was like this delayed release of like okay like I know that this is like really most likely going to happen but Mm -hmm. I don't want to I don't want to allow myself this joy that then can be taken away whereas if I'm just depressed all the time already then whatever I'm like 10% more depressed but (laughs) it was I I will say I had kind of I kind of had not allowed myself to think that much about how it was going to feel for mm-hmm. Joe to win. And so yesterday I was like hanging up something on my wall, had MSNBC mm-hmm. on in the background. And like, they're talking about like, you know, numbers in some County in Pennsylvania. And then all of a sudden it's like the decision desk called it. And I literally was like, I like fell to the floor. <laughs> I was texting you saying, literally, I just need them to call it. But I think I was watching brothers and sisters. I a hundred percent wasn't watching the news. <laughs> And then you texted me right back and you said they just called it. And then, and I put this on um, Instagram, but then immediately, like literally within milliseconds, you could start to hear people screaming Mm -hmm. and my window was closed in my bedroom, which I just realized is open now in case there's um, any kind of outside cheering. But um, I opened my window and it was just, everyone was screaming and I started yelling and I was in the same nightie that I'm currently wearing (laughs) and I threw on like a little sweater over it because, you know, God bless America and my tits and sort of just hustled out the door because I just immediately needed to be on the street. I just felt like in my bones, I need to be outside with people. And I saw there was a lot of video of people going like wilding Mm -hmm. out in Brooklyn and downtown and, you know, the upper E, we were all just everybody was cheering we were all so excited a woman across the street was hanging the um flag out her window I mean it was just cars honking I don't know how long I was outside it felt like a while because it was just so wonderful to connect with people especially people I don't know but also the joy I mean people were driving by everybody cars honking literally everybody people were hanging out of their cars cheering it was bliss it felt like actual visceral bliss what I was I don't think I was saying this I don't think I've ever I can't think of another thing in our lifetimes that has felt like that feeling because it wasn't just you know if Hillary had won in 2016 we would have been happy we would have been relieved it would have been great whatever but the the fact that the last four years have felt like such a long-term assault on everything that kind mm-hmm. of is good and normal and you know uh, how life Just is supposed to go and how our country yeah. is supposed to be and you know the fact that the last four years felt so difficult in so many ways allowed this moment to be so much more impactful than you would normally have just like oh yay like my candidate won the election like good job like it was such a like cathartic moment of just finally being able to exhale and you know feel that happiness i mean the stakes couldn't have been higher for any moment any election presidential or otherwise in our lifetime in 2016 
And unfortunately, for many reasons, some of which were out of the voters' control, Mm -hmm. um, it didn't go our way. We lost and we suffered those consequences and innocent people in marginalized communities suffered those consequences and will continue to suffer those consequences for generations to come. I mean, I had this conversation with my dad, I don't know how long ago, well before, you know, 2020 was amping up where he's like, I hope you understand that this will ruin right (laughs) i mean like the court decisions scotus some executive decisions um there are consequences and damage that will continue to harm people for longer than we may be alive i mean it is entirely possible and so i think for all of us to feel like we are getting back a piece of ourselves or feel like we are becoming people again cannot be overstated and i also think as a white person a white woman i thought that justice would prevail in 2016 i was very Mm -hmm. very nervous after the second debate i started freaking out and getting very very nervous because it felt like people thought this was funny and i didn't see anything funny happening and it felt like there was no bottom that people were just the media was giving him all the attention. There was no real pushback. It just felt in the ways in which I needed. Um, and, you know, so watching election night in 2016 with my roommate, who's a black woman, you know, I was really, really obviously upset. We both were, but, and I don't want to speak for her, but it is a different experience to, believe in our system as truly just and be Mm -hmm. a white person thinking that than someone in our country who hasn't by nature of the color of their skin has been marginalized mistreated um and knows enough to know that the system wasn't set up for her you know so it's that has stayed with me for four years and I have another roommate who is also a black woman and it's just a very different and eye-opening experience for me to understand my own privilege like in the moment at the worst possible moment for our country to still understand that my devastation is like a window into being white you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. my belief that i thought right. this country was i thought we were better than this you right know? to like, have I that thought we were to have that inherent belief that the right thing will end up happening because right. that's how the world works like it right. is you know it's a viewpoint that comes from a place of privilege i think mm-hmm. but at the same time it's it's a good thing to be hopeful and it's a good thing to yeah you know have that kind of motivation but yeah it's I don't know. I'm just I'm so happy. <laughs> well, we also both got drunk. So we were going to record yesterday and then the news happened around. I want to we were going to record like yesterday afternoon. The news happened at 11, around 1130. And I was like, our number one priority needs to be drinking right now. Mm-hmm. Like I had a bottle of champagne <laughs> that my brother sent me earlier this summer that I had been holding on to for a quote unquote special occasion. So I popped the Moet. I had some red wine. I feel like I don't remember what else I had. You immediately started doing shots. Yeah, I so I was with my roommate. We did we took shots and then we went to uh, this bar around the corner that has really nice sidewalk seating and they sell mimosa kits in the time of COVID. So <laughs> oh they they give just you throw away the orange they give you the whole bottle and like a little plastic cup of orange juice and you just make it yourself. <laughs> so we um, I think we went through a few of those. <laughs> oh my god, I love but that. Yeah, it yeah. was it was a good day.
it was a good day and I feel like we haven't had many of those in recent memory and so for not only us to have a good day but to feel like every single person around us in our beloved glorious bubble of New York City Mm -hmm. was just feeling the celebratory win of it all like we are like we're getting our city back it just I can't describe it um I mean I posted videos I know you did too it's just it was wild like we'll never have a day like that again I mean I would I would love for you know the next stage to be at some point after January when there's some sort of good news about all things COVID. But in the, at the end of the day, I mean, like we couldn't have recorded yesterday. First off, I would have been <laughs> trashed. Number one. Number two, it just like it just we I felt like in the moment, like we need to put this aside. And the number one priority is to live in this experience after four monstrous years. Like mm-hmm. we deserve to have nothing else to think about aside from celebrating with strangers and you know what with masks you know what as much as i love our dear ladies of potomac yesterday i was not thinking about them today (laughs) however you know strapped in (laughs) ready to go (laughs) and listen uh much like in 2016 when you look at the numbers um black women have saved our country when you look at the numbers that have come in. It's so interesting. I was looking at um, a friend of all Bravoholics, Donald um, Adler's um, social, and he posted a long list of celebrities that he had tracked who he didn't say in any way address the election. And he's like, I'm not saying they're secret Trumpers, but I'm not not saying that. And I thought a lot about the work that has been done by Portia Candy, the cast of Atlanta and the cast of Potomac Mm -hmm. and the percentages that are like unbelievable of black women who voted for Biden and the fact that they truly did like Georgia saved our country. I mean, I can, and I know that we, I think we're on the same page with as this on this rather regarding, I can't talk. Oh my God. Um, champagne. (laughs) But when you, Think about the work that Portia has done, Mm -hmm. for example, the women of Potomac, of course, as well. But the work that Portia has done with Black Lives Matter, with everything else. I mean, there is such a connection to the work that she did with raising awareness for Black Lives Matter, raising awareness for voter registration, amplifying people Mm -hmm. who represented organizations devoted to um, discussing and breaking down voter suppression and you look at those numbers in Georgia, like Portia, I genuinely no joke had an unbelievable role yeah. in getting people to the polls. Like genuinely no joke, she should be fucking commended. Well, the thing with Georgia is that they're they have gotten so many people registered to vote and mm-hmm. feeling like they have the right to vote and like they are both excited and feel like they need to use that right in these elections just in the last couple years and i mean obviously people like stacy abrams and all of the work that she's doing is a massive part of that and they are making voting more accessible but to have somebody like portia who is in such a public position you know Mm -hmm. these women in the atlanta cast have millions of followers on instagram they are i think 
very widely known and I think respected by a lot of people, particularly in the black community. And, Mm -hmm. you know, to have somebody like her or like even somebody like Tanya, who is not she can't vote Mm -hmm. in the U.S. because she's not a citizen. She's Canadian. But she has been so um, outspoken on social media about how important it is to vote. And, you know, Candy has done so as well. You know, all of these people are you know, really using their voice. And I was thinking about this yesterday that with how close the numbers are looking in Georgia, mm-hmm. the amount of people that Portia inspired to get out and vote in this election mm-hmm. in Georgia, it's not zero. And so any number, any yeah, number higher than zero is vital mm-hmm. at this point because mm-hmm. it is so close and there clearly is that possibility there. And, you know, it's just, you can't say enough good things. And I hope, I mean, obviously, it's it's on all of us to kind of do this work, but I hope that they continue um, that energy going into the Georgia Senate runoffs that we're going to have in January. She's already done it. She's already talking about yeah. it. She's already talking about January and the runoffs. And I have to say that, you know, thinking about what Donald was posting on IG, like the devastating, I mean... Uh, devastating with a wink and a nod silence of the Dallas housewives fucking Deandra who's such a piece of shit which we've all known forever but miss I care about politics because I worked in a White House did I tell you about that time I worked in the White House I care (laughs) so much not posting a fucking thing because of course she didn't because you look at the people who didn't say anything and if you want to know who a secret Trumper is regardless of them being like "Uh, I hosted an event for him or I gave him $25,000 but I everybody like no go fuck yourself like the people who pretend to be cool pretend to be all Uh tlc i'm looking at you stephanie holman love you think you're a great person but maybe not so much about you know protecting the rights of those people who you say i love you back to in instagram comments like if you voted for him and you don't even acknowledge the fact that Biden was ele- was projected the elected winner, regardless of who you voted for, you are playing into the idea that this is still a fraud. And I don't appreciate that. Like, well, thank you. I do not appreciate that. And not only based on, you know, Joe Biden and whatever. Plenty of people don't love Joe Biden. That is a valid viewpoint, whatever. Five people. <laughs> Just but I mean, the he fact was like that, my number four in the primary when I fucking love it. The fact yeah. that we just elected our first female mm-hmm. vice president mm-hmm. is a woman of color, first I woman mean, of yep. To I mean, we that's somewhere that we haven't gone before as a country, and I think there are. I have seen people on social media who I think generally don't really get political on social media that have still LOL. kind of that have still kind of acknowledged how huge of a moment this is just for the 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 history of our country to finally Mm -hmm. elect a woman on a presidential ticket and Mm -hmm. so that's the kind of thing where it's like you don't have to post about how much you love joe biden but like to not be able to acknowledge and really you know feel the impact of the fact that we are going to have a woman in the white house it's you know it's a it's a big deal and i think that's something that everybody should be able to kind of at least appreciate the significance of, even if they don't agree with the policies or whatever. I don't yeah, know. I just think it. I just think this is not a normal election in a time that is deeply abnormal. And 
um, understanding that truly by the very idea of not even acknowledging this, you are potentially playing into a narrative that this isn't yeah. real or is potentially fraudulent is so dangerous. And so I like to shift, you know, I've, I've heard from some AGs who are like, oh, do you think that like um, Portia could post about this thing or that thing in the run up? And I just think like, are we putting that pressure on the White Housewives or are we just right. expecting that these perfect black women will continue to do what they have been doing times a thousand because they have done more for this election and for social good than any other franchises and any other people. And it is slightly triggering for me when I hear from people who are like, oh, and, you know, maybe they could do blah, blah, blah. And I know that people mean well, but I right. also think, like, are you sliding into the DMs of Bethany Frankel, who couldn't have posted less, like, who did right, something right, right. where it was like her in a sweatsuit where it was more about what she was wearing than anything else? And it's like, God of bless course, you, at least yeah. donated. Like, there are other White Housewives that I could think of, but, like, anybody from New Jersey, like, can we not say that black women and black housewives need to do more? Because they have done more than enough right it's like is even a tricky phrase of course Portia and these other Atlanta housewives of course they should post about the Georgia runoffs and they are and they will but so should Kim Zolciak so should you know anybody else the the I mean the thing that we're seeing with so much attention that's going to be on Georgia is that everybody should be posting about it regardless of whether you live in Georgia regardless right exactly because the thing is I mean if you have a million followers on Instagram somebody lives in Georgia that's Mm -hmm. (laughs) the fact of the matter but I yeah I mean or just understanding the political process and the stakes like there it is never a bad idea to talk about to talk about politics and the importance of activating your vote like and the idea that you have to do it central to whatever state we're talking about I just don't agree with and I also think just the silence that we're hearing is maddening and some of these Mm -hmm. people who can get away with a character or personality trait of like I love everybody and then staying silent about what it means mm-hmm. to actually not vote with love in your heart when you're talking about har- directly harming marginalized communities. It just shows your privilege, and it's just such a big fucking surprise that all of these people are white housewives. Anyway, well, it's a day of celebration. We <laughs> we know that Victoria Gunvalson doesn't have a good track record of being nice to the new girl, so you know she's not going to congratulate <laughs> Kamala. <laughs> She, oh I mean, God. she's out here talking about Sleepy Joe on Instagram stories. She's not going to say anything. With not a lot of pushback, uh, which <sighs> she should have in her head. I mean, my God. Interesting. Interesting, Victoria. It's so interesting to me. I just have to say this one more thing. For a woman to get on an Instagram live with a gay man, understanding what's at risk, and to have such inherent selfishness in your head that you think that it's okay to make those kinds of comments because you are so deaf, dumb, and blind to the pain that the LGBT community has been going through and feeling about truly being directly harmed by the Trump administration and then thinking you can say fucking sleepy Joe and think that that's a joke when the person you're on the live with is a gay man. I just think that is 
so wildly offensive to me as a heterosexual woman. I just have to say, like, go. F- it's like the, this episode of Annie's Girls is my list of grievances, USA, <laughs> USA. Like my list of I grievances, just... and most of them are <laughs> Vicky Gunvalson. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how could they not? P.S. Are she and Steve? What's the deal? So they, they unfollowed each other. Then now they're like, we're totally fine. We just needed a she out. Like, I mean, she problem? made a comment. I can't remember like what outlet or whatever, but she. She said it wasn't true that they were that they hadn't broken up. So, but then why did they unfollow each other? Is that something that people do when they, they fight? It's been a second since I had a. I don't know if they. It could be. I don't know, but it could be one of those situations where. Oh, maybe they didn't unfollow. Sometimes, each other. sometimes people mm-hmm. just don't follow it. Like that, mm-hmm. I feel like that happens with Lala and Randall every four months. That somebody's like, "Oh my god, Lala and Randall unfollowed each other," and every time they have to be like, "We don't follow each other on Instagram." That's a thing. Well, no, Lala unfollowed him because she was pissed at him. I think she said that. No, she de- she, she deleted like, the pics of them together. She that's the thing. She, but they oh, okay. they've to- they've spoken publicly about fight. the fact that they don't follow each other on Instagram. They've said it's not healthy oh, for their relationship. My bad, my bad. But my it's bad. like. Every every few months, some, you know, Bravo fan who thinks they have an idea about something, like, searches it. And they're like, oh, my God, they don't follow each other. What's happening, guys? And then they DM me and are like, post about this. And I'm like, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and speaking of unfollowing, just before we get into all things Potomac, which we have to discuss. Yes. I, I truly do not care about this. People started DMing me immediately, and I was like, oh, shucks. Erica and Tom. I, like, I oh, truly yeah. do not care if she timed it to election day to get actual extra press attention. You don't do that in the Bravo. Like, it's like announcing. It's like this is a, you don't do these crazy things on this kind of day when all the focus is on one top i i think it was i think it was strategic is all i'm trying to say i think the timing of it was strategic oh, and for sure. while she filed it doesn't mean that she's the one that ended things let's just say that too well and i, th- I don't think anybody you know just from the statement and from you know just kind of the general vibe of what seems like it could be going on i don't think this is a divorce that anyone is devastated about i think it's you know, a decision that was reached. I don't know the particulars of it, but it, I think they're both going to be fine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know. I was, I will say like, I was surprised just in the sense that I always thought of them as just kind of like uh, this partnership that was just going to kind of ride or die, like stick together. Um, So I was surprised just because I don't think, I mean, we've heard for a while you know rumors or people see tom with another woman or there's rumors that erica's mm-hmm. you know hooking up with some a with other people yeah, yeah like it's not the kind of thing where there's never been chatter about their marriage but it always seemed like mm-hmm. the kind of thing where it was like they had whatever arrangement right it worked for them like i i feel like whenever i would see some reddit post about tom was seen with another woman it's like i don't think that he's like i don't think that he's like cheating on Erica I think they have whatever their situation is and I think if he if it was something secret I don't think he would be dumb enough to be out at lunch in Beverly Hills with another woman you know Mm -hmm. so I mean whatever it's like I was I didn't expect it to happen but at the same time I'm not like how could they how could they do how could this happen I can't believe she's back full time. I actually cannot believe it. I, I do not. Be- Meanwhile, Sutton's like renting Kyle's old house 
while her it's new so one weird. gets whatever. Like there's Sutton could be could not be trying enough. And I mean that in the best possible way. Like she just is giving us so much and Sutton deserves to have a diamond. And the fact that fucking Erica Janes is like desperately needing to be polished it's just not ideal it's not I, an ideal situation for next season of bh i'll say that i am curious i mean they if they filed for divorce within the last week or two they're clearly filming beverly hills right now there's no way that it's not going to be addressed on the show and i'm really curious I mean, she might have done it because of what they were filming i'm really point. curious not to say that to, she's divorced right. because of that but they might have timed it i'm gonna be really curious to see kind of how that's handled and mm-hmm, if we mm-hmm. if if actually it is an opportunity for eric to give us more in terms of you know an emotional connection you, you know being vulnerable because i feel like it's like every season i feel like she's given us a little tidbit of mm-hmm. oh like Erica's being more open this year and it's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. this year we had it early in the season when she was you know crying with Tom and whatever but like it didn't really turn into anything it was like okay mm-hmm. Erica had like one vulnerable moment where she was crying on camera but it didn't feel like season long she was actually giving us more and I'm just exhausted when I think about her to be honest I just feel like there is she is showing us she doesn't want to be there anymore why are we forcing her to stay she just assumes that she has she deserves to be there and that is not enough she's not emotionally vulnerable she's not professionally vulnerable like showing us that she's doing like you know a tap rehearsal (laughs) is not going to give me a season's worth of content it's just showing me she knows how to count steps well that's the thing i think you know i i like some things about erica but but simply being fabulous is not enough to be a five season housewife you have to bring Mm -hmm. there have to be multiple layers to it and i think that's something Mm -hmm. that we see with most of these other women that are on the show excuse me the show for a long time is that they have you know, a season where they're really happy, a season where they're going through something difficult, you know, mm-hmm. they're being messy, they're getting involved in the drama, and Erica, like, she's just very one note to me, and I don't particularly like the way that she usually acts when she's involved in kind of the group drama. I think mm-hmm. the way she dealt with Denise and the way she dealt with Camille and stuff, like, it's just like, I don't, I'm not into it. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know how I feel about Beverly Hills. I'm so excited about Kathy. I think that was such a good call. And I think the friend of role is perfect for her. Um, You know, but I just don't know what else is going to happen. Is Camille back next season? No. No, for sure not. Definitely not? Because didn't she say that before? Definitely not in any capacity more than she was this season. But I don't think, I mean, she and Kyle are like enemies at this point really they've been yeah i mean they've fought they've fought with each other on twitter recently like they are not i don't recently thi- about what still about stuff from last season this is the no, joy of I'm, discontinuing I my twitter i wish i could remember the exact context it's okay. but i'm sure it was bullshit regardless. it was something about um I think, like, Camille said something about the show, and Kyle was like, oh, please, like, you would still be on the show if blah, 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 blah. Like, basically bickering about something related to Camille being on the show. And mm-hmm. it's the kind of thing where I I don't think there's any real connection that would bring her back. It felt random when she came back this season, and it never really... Yeah, it, it felt like they, out. It felt like 
there was that one episode before mm-hmm. Kyle's party where they kind of made a whole thing of that Camila's coming back into the group and then mm-hmm. she essentially disappeared for almost the whole rest of the season. And so it was like, why did we spend half an episode watching her make amends with everyone just for her to like leave again? I mean, she had that great moment when she was at the door and it was like very, they were greeting each other at the door and it was very like Dallas dynasty, like old school nighttime soap money glam thing with like a wink and a nod. And then there was no payoff, which was actually really surprising. It just didn't go anywhere. I would be really curious. I don't know if this is, if I'm thinking, reading too much into this, but I feel like they had some kind of roadmap that they wanted Camille to come back and and follow. And then it just kind of didn't go anywhere. Oh, okay. Because, because I don't know why they would have, Honestly, I don't know why they even left all of that stuff with Camille in the show if it wasn't going to go anywhere. But I don't like I don't know why they would have gone and filmed at Camille's house if they didn't have a plan that she was going to be kind of more in the mix again. It's I mean, it's possible they didn't have anything else, which is another sign that Erica Jane needs to, you know, retire her diamond and have it go to somebody who is interested in actually playing the game and like revealing themselves i'm so excited that we have you know a a new full-time um housewife who's the first housewife on beverly hills of asian descent i believe um which is amazing um really curious about her i because i feel like her kind of what we know about her feels very Mm -hmm. like i don't know she seems very normal about her yeah, she seems very normal, but I'm into it. So I'm into it's a like, little bit normal, but so I need somebody else to not be normal. It'll be interesting to see kind of what her energy is like, because right now we just know she has cute kids and she's married to a Disney guy. And, you know, mm-hmm. what we know kind of like the the bullet points of her life slash mm-hmm. career, but it's mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see kind of what her personality is like, because we don't really know anything about her in that sense. Completely agree. Um, okay, listen, we need to talk about Potomac. We do. In this on the on a great day for this country, for this nation, <laughs> we need to talk about the ju- the actual jewel. <sighs> they don't need a diamond. They have flutes of champagne. Um oh my fucking god. Listen. So I finally watched it. Watched it again just now, but right before we started recording. It's got me like I I just I feel very like ooh, like things are happening. We have so many different plots to discuss. Mm-hmm. This whole like Monique Candace counter lawsuit. I have feelings about, you know, what are you, how has your potential opinion changed as these episodes have gone on hmm. specific to the Candace and Monique of it all? Well, okay. So this whole time I've been very, I would say, unwilling to take a side because I, mm-hmm. I, I prefer to be team no one in this particular mm-hmm. debate because yeah, yeah. I definitely am on Candace's side in the sense of the actual physical altercation. I mm-hmm. totally don't think that was called for. I think Monique was wrong. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think both of them have dealt with it pretty poorly in the aftermath. And I'll, I mean, mm-hmm. I also think Candace is a bad person. Um, so, so I'm not going to be out here like, <laughs> team Candace. Woo! <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's been really interesting to see in the last few episodes kind of how things have developed and we saw, Mm -hmm. I mean, the way Candace has been 
talking about pressing these charges and talking about what she wants the outcome to be, I think is really gross kind of when she's mm-hmm. talking about prison and the stuff. maximum sentence, sentence and yeah, like, you know, like, like when they asked her at, um, what event was that? Oh, at the, uh, sip and see mm-hmm. when all the women were kind of talking about it and they were asking her, they were like, you don't, you don't want her to go to prison, do you? And she was yeah, like, when even Giselle is and that, she was like, know, and she kind of gave her like, well, like, I don't know. Like mm-hmm. the judge will decide like very kind of, it's just icky. And it's like, I don't, I don't know how anyone, I totally understand why she is rattled in that situation and why she's upset and angry and feels very hurt. Both. I mean, I guess more emotionally, I don't think, but I think she's acting like she was hurt physically. And it's like, you were, you were certainly violated physically mm-hmm. by Monique, but I think it's, it's a little, it's a little over the top to act as if this is like some, you know, lasting medical trauma. It's like, you are, you are fine. Um. Also, if you're taking, you know, if you're pressing charges, you're seeking the max or whatever, why are you surprised that that person isn't, like laying down and taking it you know like why are you surprised that Monique's not going to be like oh you know she's it's it really feels like Candace is so emotionally immature that she really thinks and sees she's had such a veil over her eyes that Mm -hmm. it feels like she thinks I file these charges and then the judge is like oh my god Monique you're a bad person and I'm gonna tell you that you're a terrible person and I'm gonna sentence you to whatever and Candace is an angel on earth like babe if you are actually taking the stance that you think you want the actual maximum you don't think that someone is gonna file a countersuit just or counter charges plus a countersuit whatever else to fight back like you don't think that's gonna happen and you're shook by that or how why I understand you being upset about it but feeling like how is this even real that is the court system in this country she has every right right to file whatever she wants back just to hopefully try to dilute what it is that you're saying of course she is regardless of the reality of what happened yeah we're not even talking about what happened anymore we're talking about her character right and i think i mean candace is obviously very dramatic we all know that Mm -hmm. but at the end of the episode when we see her after she finds out that Monique would is like trying to also press charges. Mm-hmm. I just she has Candace has a way with words that I think few other people really have. And when she says "fuck that rusty ass bitch," and then is talking to Chris, and she, she goes, "You have no scruples." I just <laughs> I I don't know what it is about the way Candace strings together these insults, but mm-hmm. it is like. It is like just like warmth in my soul. And at the same time, I think she's like such a shitty person. But I just like, uh, I love the way she, I love the way she reads. I think she is a monster. I think she's an awful person. I think she is in real life one of the most toxic and dangerous. Yes. Bravo celebrities. Certainly one of the most toxic, toxic and dangerous housewives and has not been held accountable. It's so interesting to me that Candace's misaccountability about everybody else's behavior only when it's against her versus her own, mm-hmm. which as we've seen by people talking online about 
some of her trolling and genuinely vile, abusive behavior and comments against members of the Bravo community. There's just no, there should be zero tolerance. And she seems to live in a place of zero tolerance. She just doesn't live inside it. But her home seems to think that anybody else that comes in the north should have zero tolerance handed to them. Right. And yet, that scene of her with Chucky or Chuck or whatever, when they did like a two second clip of that song, I fucking love that song. It's. I feel it, so it is, bad because I hate her, but I that is a bop. It I'm is. Sorry. I think just from a technical standpoint, it is probably one of, if not the best, housewife yes. songs. Yes. I do. I am a little bit like, don't. Why are you trying to make us think that she's like going to be a recording artist? Like this isn't actually like. I mean, Melissa Gorga got how many seasons out of it? Although that's not, that should not be the standard. It should it's not just, be the Melissa Gorga recording studio. It's thing. hilarious when they put, when the Gorgas put their house up for sale and you look at the <laughs> listing, there's like a photo of the recording studio in the basement. <laughs> it's <laughs> probably a screenshot of the episode. It's still down there. Just be it. <laughs> I don't know how long it's been since it was used for anything legitimate. I don't know that it was ever used. I mean, legitimate is the right. I think Joe Gorgo was like, let's record an album called Poison or something. And it was terrible. (laughs) And then nobody went down there ever again. Talk about a dungeon. (laughs) Um, But I just... (laughs) You guys are so loopy. It's been a week. Finally, P.S. Melissa Gorga's songs are available on IG stories. How many years has our country lived in a place of (laughs) such damage and such pain? And you know what? I'm not going to say that listening to 15 seconds of on display in an Instagram story of my shoes would have been the change maker for our country. But I'm not not saying that. Okay. I agree. I I, I have a Spotify playlist called Bravo Bops that (gasps) is you know really good for the soul if you're looking for wait is it public yeah okay i'll link it to it in the show notes for this episode guys do yourselves a favor and listen to i'm like a little ashamed i'm a little ashamed like how much time i've spent like unironically listening to it but it's fine (laughs) no i love that i also like i just i'm really into chucky or chuck chucky chucky Thompson, Thompson. thompson yeah chucky I'm really into him and his vibe. I could watch that scene over and over again. I don't know what it is. And I like loathe Candace. I think she's a bad egg. She is a bad apple. Her, you know, glasses champ spoiled at some point. I don't know, in her tweens. But I just really think that song is great. I'm going to listen to the fuck out of it. Uh, I wonder when it's going to come out. Maybe the episode where charges are dismissed. Like, there's usually is it some not sort of. Out? I haven't really looked. Well, like with Lou, she didn't release um, Viva La Diva until like the X episode where it was launched. So I'm guessing that Candace is doing the same if she's thinking strategically, which means nothing. But um, it's possible. I don't know. I, I just can't wait to listen to it. I'm going to listen to the fuck out of it. I'm, wait, I I'm, think it's I'm out. Sorry. Oh, wait. There's one from 2019. There's two different versions. Neither of them say Ricky. Yeah, the the bad version. So she had her version that nobody cares about. And then Chucky came in and was like, let's make this into a great song. And that's what happened. I mean, it's like party for the party. It is on. uh, There's a remix on Spotify. Okay, we're going to listen. That might be it. I don't know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nobody tell her you like the song by the way can do we not comment do not <laughs> feed that dangerous ego of hers 
Just listen to it privately, even though I just told thousands of people how great I thought the song was. Can we talk about Giselle thinking Robin's oh God, Hat Company is called is Embezzled? <laughs> well, I mean, that goes to show you that maybe her relationship with Jamal is, in fact, real. If her first thought is embezzling, it does mean that she's probably thinking of her ex-husband Ooh. more than we think off camera. I mean, <laughs> a moment. A moment in time. Also, Giselle, who... I don't know if she's going to get the real pushback that I think people are looking for 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 her role in all of this. But um, uh, Giselle talking about Robin's IRS issues and being like, it's a she genuinely was being serious. Like, it's a couple hundred dollars. Like, it's twelve, fifteen hundred dollars. It's like not a big deal. And then the producer's <laughs> like, it's eighty thousand dollars. And her immediate reaction is like, oh, fuck. That was crazy. That, that was a great. wild was a moment, moment because clearly it was in like blogs or tabloids or like it was not a secret thing it's like wait Giselle you think she's you think she's struggling oh she has a tax lien over twelve hundred dollars like I do actually think that is in fact possible so I sort of do get Giselle's perspective into all of that I mean unless wild last week's episode when Robin wore that wig and Candace in her confessional was like just pay the taxes (laughs) Oh, my uh, God. Potomac, here's the thing. I love Robin. I mean, I love Robin. I love Potomac. I also think, like, we can talk about the show on a quasi-superficial level of, like, of talking about, and I don't mean that as a critique, but just of, like, me thinking more about, like, Giselle's face, you know, versus the actual psychology and the minutiae of it all. And in both places, my, I am, like, completely satiated. I just think Potomac can give us as much or as little as we need as viewers in that moment, you know? Like, you can do a deep dive or you can just say, I just need to feel good for 44 minutes plus commercials. And either way, you're going to feel great. Well, and we haven't even talked about one of the biggest kind of, I think, real discussions this week, which is Karen and Wendy having this argument about education and being called ignorant and you know Karen kind of shading Wendy and saying she's not a real doctor and like all of this stuff I think all of those dynamics are so kind of complex and interesting and I totally I understand why the other women are kind of like Wendy stop talking about your degrees but at the same time Mm -hmm. it is a huge deal for somebody like her the daughter of immigrants to have such a high level of education and you know there are different you, you know, like not everyone's success is measured in the same way and having four degrees isn't necessarily automatically better than whatever care. You know, it's there's a lot of interesting dynamics and I, I like that they're kind of getting into this because I don't know another Housewives show where we've really seen, you know, that sort of conversation happening. Yeah, I mean, I I it's interesting when you watch that play out knowing that as Karen herself says, like Ray has a doctorate. So in something, didn't she say he had like a doctorate in business? I don't know. I have an undergrad degree. I went to school for theater. Um, <laughs> I, have is, is, I have a BFA. I have a BA with a minor in musical theater. Cause the musical theater program was amazing, but didn't have a major. Um, uh, PhD in business. Is that a thing? Anybody, anybody who's listening to this, can you slide into I my know, DMs? I know you can get a PhD it, in like economics. I don't know about business. He could have. Oh, a, there is a business PhD program at Tufts Fletcher School. Okay. Oh, there's a grad. I mean, graduate. Their executive PhD isn't the same thing. There. 
yeah, there it looks like there's a PhD program at Fordham in business. I might have made up business. Maybe it was finance or something. I don't know. I thought that Karen was saying that that Ray had a doctorate, and I, it you know, like watching Karen and Wendy attempt to understand each other, and Wendy thinking that once again she has this moment to have a moment, mm-hmm. except that. Karen is genuinely so funny that Wendy couldn't even remain upset when they got into the like Harry Potter Slytherin of it all when they're just like sliding by. I mean, that was phenomenal. I mean, it's just it feels like Wendy sometimes tries to like remain hot a little bit yes. but she doesn't need to. When it's when okay. Karen says you slithered down the steps and Wendy full like Mm-hmm. This is her full reality. She goes, I sauntered. <laughs> <laughs> like these women, I just, I can't, I can't say enough how much I appreciate them and how wonderful I think they are. And I think we're with Wendy, you know, we've seen her on more than, you know, we've had like 12 episodes, whatever mm-hmm. of seeing her now. I think she kind of ha- has an interesting dynamic of she clearly is very smart. She's very educated. We all know that. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. sometimes we see in these, you know, in these situations where she's having a disagreement with someone, I think she she feels like she has the upper hand because she is, you know, Four this degrees. professor and this educated woman mm-hmm. with all these degrees and blah, 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 blah. And I think she is kind of, hopefully going to learn at some point that there's nothing wrong with that. And though those are legitimate qualifications or whatever, but this is real housewives and, you know, having a PhD isn't the end all be all of what kind of gives you power and status as a real housewife. And I think she, she maybe is leaning on those things a little too much. And I, I, I hope that I have a feeling she'll be back next season and I feel like it'll be interesting to see if she kind of, you know, figures out the a correction of that where it's like we all know those things. Nobody's taking that away from you, but in this argument, that's not what's going to win win you points. Well, the valuation on Housewives is different than it is in real life, and it's different certainly than it is in her life in academia, where four degrees probably doesn't even need to be said because everybody knows going in your CV. And on Housewives, it's like okay, cool, but what are you bringing to this scene? which can't be encapsulated in where you went to school, you know, like she hasn't, she's still an undergrad at housewives university, which is something that I think she probably struggles with a little bit because she does say, look, look, I bring so much value from my um, success and the fact that I am so highly educated, which shouldn't be taken away from her. It's great. But also you don't have a master's degree in the edit. And so what editors mm-hmm. are going to do is make sure that every single scene and every moment where you're talking about your four degrees are a part of these episodes, which can change sometimes a viewer opinion, which goes from this is a highly educated woman who um, is showing us different aspects of her character to that this is someone who is only using her degrees as her like primary mode of defense, which right. is fine once or twice but it can get a little exhausting you well, know and the thing is and that with, you don't want that to become the joke with these women that we've been watching for three four five seasons we they already have earned this status as kind of top tier housewives like somebody mm-hmm. like karen huger of course in the real world 
you know, she's saying I, I don't have that education, but I've been blessed with the entrepreneurial spirit or whatever. That is mm-hmm. great. But for us as the viewer, it's like we're watching like Karen Huger's resume as a housewife is already impressive. Like we already mm-hmm. have. She gave us the press conference. She gave us mm-hmm. all this perfume shit. She's given us, you know, fine. She's had these financial issues. So it's like Wendy obviously has all of these qualifications in real life, which are very impressive. Nobody's taking that away from her. But when it comes to your housewives kind of list of achievements, she's mm-hmm. still working on it. And it, of course she, it's her first season. Every, anyone in that position would be. And I don't, I think she maybe feels like she has an upper hand sometimes because she has all of this education and whatever. And it's like, no, you're dealing with people who like already got their housewives PhD and you're mm-hmm. fresh. You're in freshman year. Like, yeah. Yeah, and I think that can probably be a struggle for someone, obviously, whose family is so highly invested in um, her success because it reflects so strongly and magnifies their own. Like, I had no idea that in um, the Nigerian community, the idea, I love the idea that the um, wife, mother of the family, the matriarch, is really in that such a position of Mm -hmm. power. Um, I think that's fantastic. And it's so interesting to me, too, to understand the pressure that she was under because how her mom is seen as a member of her community is directly related to what Dr. Wendy does for work, where she went to school, how many degrees she has. I mean, we talk about how much she's talking about having the four degrees, but it's entirely possible that that is in many ways – a a valuation for her mom and in their community and culture Mm -hmm. that is a great thing so of course she's going to talk about it because she's coming from potentially a situation and I'm saying this as an outsider to this so I'm uh, sorry if I'm saying this incorrectly or inaccurately but that could very well be of course they're going to talk about it constantly because it is such a huge um sign of essentially like wealth when you think about it you know like the idea that so much of her mom's reputation is based on her own and her own Mm -hmm. work. I mean, the amount of stress and pressure that that puts on someone is, can be devastating. And the fact that she's trying to break that cycle and even how she's talking about her beyond adorable kids, those two boys are the fucking cutest. Absolutely. I Mm -hmm. die for them. But when she's talking about how she wants to make sure that they are in a position where they feel free to do what they want and that they know that their mom is going to support and love them, you know, it shows that she's understanding and she has so much love for her culture and her community. And what we're able to learn from about the Nigerian community watching these episodes is unbelievable. But also she's saying, okay, now I am my own person trying to figure out my relationship with my mother without harming her or harming her role and her reputation in our community. But I also am a grown ass adult with three kids, four degrees, a hot husband. And I want to start doing what it is that I want to do. Three I mean, part kids. of that is joining housewives. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think I, I, I hope Wendy and Karen can maybe sit down and have a real conversation about this. Cause I think it's been really interesting. What Wendy has kind of told us, the viewers about, you know, being in a Nigerian family and what this means mm-hmm. to her parents and her mom. And I think it's just a cultural difference because we saw it was 
amazing a couple episodes ago, finally getting to see where Karen comes from and more of her upbringing and her family life. And that for her coming from, from sorry, she's already, she's the one who made it from there. You know, she is Mm -hmm. the daughter who made it out and is famous and has, you know, success and whatever. And so it's like in a lot of ways, I think they're, they're similar to each other. Just the metrics for their success are very different. And so it's Mm -hmm. like, Karen doesn't have the degrees, but she still is, you know, the one who kind of made it from her hometown. And I think, you know, if they could kind of have a chill conversation and like a heart to heart about that, I think they Mm -hmm. would realize that one thing isn't better than the other just because it's not what's valued in your community, maybe. Yeah, and it's so hard, the ways in which women sometimes use these, like, gender norms as weapons against each other when it's like, we're just harming each other by continuing this narrative that because you're working full time as a stay at home mom, because you are, you know, maintaining a household is obviously Mm -hmm. a job that that is somehow lessened when it comes to how smart you are, how um, intelligent you are, how financially successful, independent you are. It's just unfair to compare the two, which is not in any way to take away from the enormous work that was put into having four fucking degrees, including a doctorate, obviously. But that doesn't have to be every single person's goal. You know, like, right. I- I'm not interested in getting a PhD and some of them says, with honors. Um, you know, it's like, it's, it's okay. It's okay to have different goals in life. And to have success that's not necessarily measured in um, a level of education or the number in your bank account. And lo- I mean, look at Robin. She's making it happen with those hats. <laughs> Some of the hats are cute. About those hats? No, Some they're of the not. Hats- they're awful. They're terrible, Dylan. Uh- <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. I liked the one that I liked the floral one I that want- Karen was wearing. Here's what I want for Robin. I want Robin, take back everything that I said about financial success or whatever. I want her to feel financially successful. I want her to like <laughs> feel that, feel the power and like feel all of it. And I want her to just get everything that she wants in life. Yes. And I want that for her. I will never. Well, I also don't have a, a head that was made for hats. My head is mm. too big for hats. It is not possible. It just doesn't work. I would need to get a custom made embezzled hat by Robin Dixon. I It wouldn't work out for me. But I want it to be successful. I want it to. It's going to be better than the house stuff. I want the Dixons. I want the Dixons to be debt free and loaded. <laughs> yes. And I want Robin to feel like she did it. And she did. She's bringing in so much money as a housewife. I think that's great. And listen, I'm so I'm so happy for that hot company and for Katie Ross to be back for season five. I think <laughs> I love that cameo. I loved I, I loved the the hooing of Katie Ross. Like when, Oh my God. <laughs> so low key, amazing cutting. When who? Who is that? And it's like you don't know that you're going to show up because you signed a release for Housewives of Potomac and you didn't look at who was peed on a couch at the season one reunion. Okay, fine. Some of us just have different values in life, apparently. Wendy did not do her research, other things, apparently. But <laughs> I mean, I, my God. how do we, I oh. wonder if Katie Ross is watching Potomac. Do we think she is? 
I don't know if she has cable. <laughs> I don't Maybe even mean. Maybe in that vortex in her backyard. She's like, oh, uh, we only get like, we only get like C-SPAN. We get like one channel. They have to like fix the antenna. <laughs> oh my God. Those flashbacks of like when they were juxtaposing the model with Katie and they do, that actually did look like her doppel- doppelganger. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. But it's like those wigs and stuff. Oi, Katie. We're never going to unsee them. My God. I, know. I just wishing Katie all the best. I I honestly have so best. much. All the very best. I see updates about her from time to time. And to be honest, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't really need to know. I don't. Katie's yeah. not somebody mm-hmm. that I, I'm not invested in whatever tea or drama or anything that's going on. I don't f- keep up mm-hmm. with it. I just hope she's well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I completely agree. So going into this trip, it looks like Ashley and Candace are going to have words. Is it accurate to say that's going to be somehow related to Candace thinking that Ashley did like some sort of character statement or for Monique? Or what do you think the deal oh, is? Oh, yeah. I, I guess. I, to be honest, Ashley is, Ashley's kind of frustrating me with this whole situation because I think, I mean, I think all the postpartum depression and stuff that she's been open about is really amazing. Mm -hmm. But then to juxtapose that with how she's been handling this Candace and Monique situation just makes me kind of mad because I think she is absolutely kind of overstepping her bounds in terms of picking a side and acting as if she knows what happened when she in fact was not in the room at the time of the actual altercation. She was in the bathroom. Uh, (laughs) And I just, I really wish, the thing is, I obviously Ashley and Candace have their issues and I, I get Ashley's perspective in that, but I wish that she would just keep her mouth shut about the situation with Monique because it's making her look, it's making her look bad. I really think it is that it's like, we already know you don't like Candace. That's fine. You can have your time to have that argument in a different scene but we don't need your perspective on the thing with Monique that you didn't even see when it's obvious that you're just going to say that you're just going to take Monique's side okay just to say what's the difference between what Giselle was doing and what Robin not merely Robin but really what like Giselle and Dr. Wendy have been doing about blindly supporting um, Candace, which we know is not just about Candace, but bringing down Monique versus yeah. what Ashley is doing. Aside from the fact that Ashley is the only one doing it, like they both need to yeah. have defenders, regardless of whether or not I agree with them. You know, and but, in both cases, it's not just because of the altercation itself. I think the the difference for me is that well, first of all, in terms of the altercation itself, which I know is not the whole issue, right? I think Ashley is totally kind of speaking out of turn in terms of kind of claiming to know things and talking about how things went down that she wasn't there for. And at this point, at this point she wouldn't have seen footage yet. I can't, I don't imagine that they would have shown her stuff. Um, So that's part of it. But then also I think, I think that to some degree, a part of a basis of what Giselle and Wendy are talking about is at least their, they're at least claiming that it's rooted in this altercation that happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I do, like I said, I think that both of them are in the wrong, but that in the physical situation, it definitely was more Monique's fault than Candace's. 
But at the same time, I don't think, I don't agree with the way that Giselle and Wendy are handling this either. I, you know, I think Giselle kind of, when they had that intervention scene at Karen's house, I thought Giselle kind of made a fool of herself with the taking the notes and bringing the security. Mm -hmm. And I thought Robin did such a better job of Mm -hmm. taking a similar position, but actually articulating it well and not, you know, putting on a show and you know it's it's like you can you can feel this way and you can say how you feel but it felt like Giselle was just like doing the most and it's like Mm -hmm. that's not helpful in this situation but more I mean more and more the person who I think is handling it the best is Karen I feel like you know oh my god Karen is at first I will say at first after that yes intervention episode Mm -hmm. I was a little like Karen this is a weird look like it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like you're holding Monique accountable, but now mm-hmm. that it's been a few weeks and we've seen her kind of interact with both of them and have more kind of nuanced conversations about it, I really think Karen is is sort of the only one in the cast that is really that is really kind of unpacking the mm-hmm. guilt on both sides and trying mm-hmm. her best. It's a complicated thing, but really trying to hold both sides to account and to be fair in how she's kind of dealing with both of these people who she has relationships with both of them. I think it's not a coincidence that she's the one in the middle and she's the one that actually cares for both Candace and Monique. Whereas mm-hmm. I think the other women are sort of being a little um, disingenuous with how they're viewing it because they're letting their personal biases really take hold. Well, it just, and it, I completely agree. And I also think it absolutely shows the level of emotional maturity that Karen has to say like, um, obviously I don't agree with what happened, but we are not going to demonize this woman mm-hmm. as a mother, as a person, um, as a coworker. This is not the entirety of her character versus Candace, who's trying to repeatedly say this is the entirety right. of her character. Like, this is it. At the end of the day, Candace seems to have... Um, I don't even know what to call it. Sort of like a zero tolerance for... Yeah acts of violence without in any way acknowledging her own responsibility for acts of violence that may not be physical but are certainly emotional um and can in many ways add enormous harm to people you know i just think it's karen at least gets it in a way that and is able to communicate it effectively in a way that i didn't necessarily appreciate in the moment but i certainly have in the week since well and at the i think it was at like wendy's voting event when Candace and Karen went off to the side and we're talking about this and Candace basically was saying that she didn't feel supported and for when Karen Karen's response was basically I haven't done anything for Monique that I'm haven't that I wouldn't do for you like I'm not Mm -hmm. I'm not taking anyone's side and if Candace wants to say there's no gray area or there's no you know that it's black or white you can either get on or get off she can say that if she wants but karen knows and understands i think the reality which is that this is a nuanced situation there is blame on both sides and both sides both candace and monique should be held accountable in some respect mm-hmm. and i think it really just reflects well on karen and i hope that as they're watching the season, Monique and Candace would be able to kind of understand that. But at the same time, I think both of them are pretty in their own bubble of anger and Mm -hmm. denial and whatever else. So I'm not, I'm not super hopeful that Candace is going to watch it and be like, you know, Karen, I understand, but 
I think I think for most of us watching that aren't kind of, you know, there are definitely some people who are like, Stan Candace, she was wronged. I, I think for most people watching, they can really appreciate that Karen is doing her best and that she's the only one who really is, you know, willing to actually think about this and grapple with the fact that both of them made mistakes. She's the only one who's even communicating that there's inherent nuance to this. You know, like she's literally the only one. I think Robin is certainly open minded to it, but everybody else seems to be of the perspective that that the entirety of who Monique is, is in this, you know, however many minutes, because unfortunately it it wasn't just like the one moment it was her chasing everything else. You know, like it was one it was a bad night that had brought with it a lot of built up. Um, anger and frustration and if we want to talk about the entirety of someone's character then what kind of character of a person um, exists when you're talking about how to spread rumors about her youngest child you know like character Mm -hmm. goes a lot of different ways and there's a lot of responsibility to go around and I really am genuinely curious for how this reunion is going to go because I don't know that Potomac is going to be given the opportunity or maybe that we the audience are going to be given the opportunity to see these women really acknowledge the things that we're talking about in real time Mm -hmm. which isn't to take away from the season at all which has been sublime but I just um I would love to see a conversation where you know the rumors are brought up where Giselle sort of has to acknowledge her own role in this and sort of starting this process or you know the events that followed because of this um or that was in many ways inflamed by this. It would yeah. be that would be interesting. I don't know that it's going to happen. I'm really I'm really curious in terms of the reunion if assuming that everyone is going to show up, which I think is going to be the case. I I'm curious whether Monique will kind of have guidelines of like if I'm coming to the reunion, we're not going to talk about my husband or like me cheating with the mm-hmm. you know, like I could see it being that kind of situation where she's saying like I'm not going to speak about this, but Mm -hmm. because that's basically what she's done on the show. And we've only really gotten even a little bit of that information through stuff that other people are saying in their confessionals. But yeah, I mean, I think (laughs) we're about to go on this trip, which Monique is not going to be on and which Mm -hmm. to be honest, I think is kind of the right call. Yeah. In terms of it, it would have been a mess in turn. I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it was like, an automatic thing in terms of Monique shouldn't get to go on this trip because of her behavior. But I just think in terms of the cast dynamic, there's no real way to have a cast trip at this point and not have it just be like Karen, Ashley and Monique. (laughs) I mean, it's not a, it's not even like a cat. It's just any kind of group filming. It's not going to take place until the end of the season for this reason related to what happened. So obviously you throw a passport in there and it's like, no, fuck no, obviously not. Like God bless Ashley for even trying, but like, no, obviously that's not going to work out. They, there hasn't even been at at this point and even through really today, um, an admission of regret from Monique that would need to happen. Plus many conversations before you even need to get near all of them together because they would just inflame each other. It would be a fucking mess. Yeah. So I think, I mean, it's always unfortunate when the whole cast can't go on the trip for any reason, Mm -hmm. I think, but I'm certainly, I'm glad that everyone minus Monique is going to be there. And I think there's still a lot of good potential for, exciting stuff to happen with that remaining six people. (laughs) 
Um, speaking of good potential for exciting stuff to happen, so the night before election night, which I initially thought was wild timing, and now I have no choice but to stay on my calendar on Monday, oh my you God. and I were present for the, what was it? <laughs> so they, much like they did yeah. for Potomac, they had yeah. um, sort of a... Screening party. Yeah, like a, a media Zoom event where we all got to watch the premiere ahead of time and then mm-hmm. several of the housewives were on this zoom call and for salt lake city yeah so it was it was um there was a moderator and then a lot of us got to ask questions as well um so it was jen shaw heather gay lisa barlow and meredith marks and it was really fun it was a good mm-hmm. time yeah, and I just have to say we've both watched the reunion. Uh, sorry, the reunion. We've both watched the premiere more than once, and it's so top notch. I can't even tell you. It's and really with, good. It's really, really good. And I heard that from people who had seen it before. I saw it that it was really good, and then I saw it, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" Like this is genuinely really good. And whatever change they needed to do behind the scenes, as far as like, um, like they changed like the production company or like the edit or something. It just means they had a whole lot more extra footage, which certainly works in our favor. It just feels like they're firing in all cylinders, whatever happened. I don't really know what happened, but thank God that it did. Because this is fucking great. It feels very fresh. I think it Mm -hmm. feels tight. It feels like, I mean, obviously it's the first episode of a new show with people that we don't know yet. So a lot of the episode is spent kind of, introducing us to each of them giving us a little mm-hmm. look into their lives and kind of mm-hmm. we start to see um how they're interconnected with each other and i think already more than more than some other casts and certainly more than a lot of the casts are now it's a group that has a lot of really interesting connections with each other we have mm-hmm. some people that have known each other for years since college even um you know some kind of more recent connections, different people know Mm -hmm. each other different ways. It feels like the kind of cast where they did a really good job of finding people that have a lot of variety between them, but still kind of Mm -hmm. have these connections so that they all kind of make sense together as a group, but that Mm -hmm. it's a very, I mean, it's it's a very, I think diverse group in terms of religious backgrounds, personality Mm -hmm. types, um, you know, there's just a lot, Race. a lot going on and it's all mm-hmm. exciting so far. Yeah. It's great to see like a genuinely diverse cast. It's great to mm-hmm. see, um, women with money. God bless. If it's like drinking game alert, like take a shot every time you hear someone say chalet. Like I just oh, fucking love all chalet. of it. It's so good. I'm going to watch it another six times before the premiere. I'm so excited to unpack it next week. I just think that you guys, it's like appointment television, honestly. it's You're going to love it, and it's exactly what we need right now. Like, what else could bring our country together? <laughs> <laughs> the I'm, women of Salt Lake City. I know. I'm so excited because we have, we have Salt Lake starting this week, which I'm very excited mm-hmm. for. And I think, you know, from, from what I've been seeing people saying, I think – most of the Bravo community and viewers are really excited to see what it's like. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know how that will translate to actual ratings numbers, but I think in general, people are really excited for it. I hope it does well. We have mm-hmm. Atlanta coming back in less than a month now. 
Yes, I did a Patreon live recording. If you go to the Andy's Girls Patreon where I watched and reacted to the trailer live and it was just a lot of inaudible screeching, to be honest. So I hope that there, I did closed captioning, <laughs> which I 100% did not for this audio. It's, it's uh, craziness. Craziness. It's interesting. Like, obviously, because of COVID, Atlanta was delayed a little bit. Normally, they would have been premiering tonight, probably. They usually are early November. But mm-hmm. it still feels like they really got it together fast. I think they Mm -hmm. just finished filming like last month or last week. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's going to be a whirlwind, but I'm very excited to see what they bring this season. I miss Atlanta. I think sometimes I, I, sometimes I like forget about it a little bit, not in like Mm -hmm. a shady way, but just like Mm -hmm. it's when it's not on TV, sometimes it's not top of mind and I'm very excited Mm -hmm. to have it back every week yeah I think it's I'm really excited for it I'm so glad Kenya's there I'm very confused about what's happening with Kenya and Mark maybe I haven't been following it in real time but I thought that they were like sort of back together so if I'm understanding what was happening in the trailer it seems like that is no longer potentially um the case which would be great I think because she deserves so much more than what he was giving her which was like less than zero um there's a lot there and everything with like Candy's you know, former um, partner or boyfriend and, you know, potential support for Riley. There's a lot. There's a lot yeah. of like really serious stuff happening, which I um, I feel like at this oh, point now that Atlanta does well now that um, Lenithia has gone, who I mm. who I have loved, but was Bywig. I was I had gone cold on Nini these last couple seasons. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. that she's gone, now that Eva the Diva has, you know, said her goodbye. I actually mm-hmm. I really am into everyone in this cast. I I am I think more more into Kenya than I ever have been. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't Kenya has rubbed me the wrong way a lot, but I think now I've kind of softened on her, you know, TBD okay. if that continues once the season starts. Obviously, I love into Portia. It. I think Candy's a badass, you know. Mm. I'm excited to see Drew, our new housewife this season. Yes, I know nothing about her. I don't so know, that'll be interesting. I don't know much about her either. And I I mean I like Marlo, I like Tanya. Like it's really mm-hmm. they Atlanta has an all star cast. There's no obviously we have a, a couple new people this season that the jury is out on yet, but they they don't have anyone in the cast that's like a like B string yeah, housewife. Yeah, I think I'm hopeful that it's going to be good. Obviously, I think that we just need to sort of isolate the COVID franchise seasons and understand mm-hmm. that we're operating in a world in which a lot was even not known when they started shooting and and that it it may or may not feel like a typical season and that's okay. We're just also grateful to see them back. Also grateful for, you know, new content that doesn't feel inherently problematic unlike other franchises. And so I'm just really excited to see what's going yeah. on in their lives, how they react to what's going on in the world and all of us. And obviously with um, Portia as a genuine, amazing, um, incredible activist, I'm excited for her to get her proper due there. So yes. I think it's going to be great. I, I, I think it's going to be great to watch, you know, mm-hmm. like we'll see how this season plays out, but I'm, I'm appreciative of it and for it. Well, and with what you were saying, we now have, so we have Salt Lake starting this week, Atlanta, and then we also have now full seasons of New Jersey and Dallas in the can. Mm-hmm. They've finished filming both of them. So coming, mm-hmm. I would assume, early 2021. 
it it feels so good because there was so much uncertainty earlier this mm-hmm. year. It feels really it's a relief that all of these shows were able to make it happen and whatever happens with second wave I don't know. Mm-hmm. We're going to have Third. there's yeah. plenty of new content that Stuff. is going to come down the pipeline. I couldn't tell you how um I couldn't be less interested in watching Dallas. I think it's going to be awful. I'm sorry. Take back everything that I just said about Atlanta. I don't know. I just think I, don't I think know. it's going to be trash. I can't I, believe they brought back Carrie with a K. I, I have really hope. can't believe it. I have it. hope. I don't know. Who, I don't what know. is even going to happen? And it's all like fucking I don't know. You know, we went to this it. we went to this Bravo Zoom happy hour with Stephanie and she mm-hmm. said that it's going to be a good season. So Well, if Stephanie says maybe it, you know she, she doesn't talk about everything. <laughs> I I have no reason to believe uh, that Dallas is going to be a good season, but for some reason I still have hope. I just, I can't not no, have hope. No, it's, we need hope in this country. And I also have to say just about all things Stephanie Holman, that um, just because obviously Andy's Girls talks about life and, and, and politics is such an inherent part of life that, you know, some of my frustration at the beginning of the episode is just understanding the um, innate uh, privilege that can come with not feeling the need to talk about politics because you feel like your life isn't going to change regardless of who's in a position of power. And um, I don't think it's a bad thing to hold people accountable for their silence. Like, no. I don't think it's a bad thing to hold favorites accountable for their silence. And um, people have the expression that, like, politics isn't just for me, but it, if it's not for you, it might be for people whose lives can come in, in jeopardy and in, in great harm and in, in danger because of decisions that are made um, by people when they cast their ballot. And so understanding that Dallas is a franchise made uniformly of people who are quiet Trump supporters um, who may publicly say that uh, they don't agree with bullying or tactics or whatever, but, you know, their political contributions, which have been made public, show a very different picture. Mm-hmm. I think it is very okay for us to say to people, regardless of whether or not they're a fan favorite, that we sort of expect more from them and or that there is a very big difference in an Andy's Girls listener or a Bravo um, fan or whatever deciding how in which to use their private person platform and saying, I don't really want to talk about this stuff on social media. I think that you have the right to say that. I think it's a different level of responsibility for someone who exists and has been made famous in the world of reality tv and has platforms of hundreds of thousands of people and we are not living in normal times and when it comes to what was a trigger for me was the idea that you weren't acknowledging um the projected winner in a battle that is still likely going to be ongoing when it comes to the other side disputing the Mm -hmm. reality of a democratic republic election you know like it's not it is very important it is very serious stuff and I also say this as a woman who gets to decide how to use my voice and who is never going to respond well or um uh in the way that others would like when I'm told how to use my voice and I'm told that Andy Scrolls is a podcast that's X, Y, and Z because the person telling me that isn't the creator. They're not me. And they're not, they don't, uh, their opinion is just that. It's an opinion. So I have yeah. these opinions about Stephanie that, sh- and, and other people, many, many other white housewives and non black housewives who have not used or taken advantage of the opportunity that they have to even do a little bit of good, regardless of who they voted for. Um, 
And so we get to decide, you and I are both podcast hosts, what we want to talk about on our shows. Mm -hmm. They are, at the end of the day, our shows. So we get to drive the conversation and have these kinds of very nuanced and complicated conversations. And I just think that we are in a very different time at this point in our country. There is a lot of anger um, and frustration that people will continue to feel about what has happened to them even in just the last four years um, that will remain. It's not going anywhere regardless of these wonderful feelings of elation that I think all of us should really mm-hmm. hold on to and appreciate and celebrate, take a moment to breathe. And I think it's also important for us to acknowledge our own responsibility at, for many of us as Americans. I hear from international AGs every day. Um, shout out. Um, <laughs> wish I was with you. Um, but I just have to say that like, when we have these conversations about responsibility, I may have a, a opinion that is different from Stephanie's and she has every right to have that. That is in fact her right um, uh, as an American, as a citizen living in this country. Um, uh, I just think that when it comes to just some of the quote unquote minutia of all of this, when there is an election that one side is trying to contest, you have an awful lot of power just in even acknowledging the reality of it. Right. And as a person with that kind of um, audience, I think that that is incredibly important. Um so that's kind of all that I have to say about that. <laughs> and guys, um, I hope that everybody has taken a little bit to breathe and, and watch some TV. I know I'm going to watch Below Deck um, post haste. I actually do think I want to watch Southern Charm. I don't know why. I don't like anybody I will on say, the show. I will say, so we're two episodes into the new season now. I think it's too soon to say kind of if it's going to be a good season overall, mm-hmm. there's a lot of changes with the cast and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I will say I'm more, I'm more like interested to see how it plays out than I kind of anticipated that I would be. Okay. Um, You know, they're going to have a lot of interesting stuff once the COVID hits and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I think they're going to at least make some attempt at tackling some of the racial issues that have mm-hmm. been happening. So, I mean, regardless of how good of a job they do of it, there's going to be a lot mm-hmm. going on that I think might be interesting to kind of witness them taking a stab at. And, you know, I think a little bit about like what Michelle Obama said about the presidency when it's like it, the presidency doesn't change a man, it reveals mm-hmm. a man. And I think about, oh, I have somebody interrupting. Hold on one second. Okay, guys, we just got interrupted. <laughs> I do alternating every other week's a Zoom um, uh, with some Jews from the States and Israel. And so there are going to be some Israeli Jews that are hopping in my Zoom room in just a second. Oh my God. Wait, I think I had something. Oh, so what Michelle Obama was saying was that um, the presidency doesn't change a man, it reveals him. And I just think of Catherine mm-hmm. from Southern Charm and the fact that we at one point, you know, she uh, premiered as she did. And at one point we had so much hope for her and how the show could maybe change her. And what I have been hearing of IRL as things are filmed, what she did with Cam and everything else, it looks like the show is really just revealing the person that's been there all along. And it makes me uncomfortable because I did have hope for her, but I guess it's going to be interesting to watch it play out. I mean, she is kind of garbage. Yeah, I think think it's going to be... An intro- a tough season for 
Catherine and I think she probably deserves it um, because already, I mean, she looks pretty shitty and we haven't gotten mm-hmm. to the racist stuff yet. So can't uh, wait. What a joy <laughs> that's going to be. Um, on that note, I got to go Shalom to do my thing. Shout out to Siggy, who I think is also PS having a great week and I wish her the best. I'm sure her social media has been amazing. But You know, Sigalit gonna... wants a, she wants a recount in California, which I think is an interesting <laughs> strategy, but sure. She can have one if she wants. Oh, Sigalit. Oh, sweetie. What you have done. Um, interesting. Anyway, talk about somebody who got revealed. Um, Dylan Hafer, love you forever. Tell the people how to listen to Mention It All and follow both you yeah. and Bravo by Betches on social. So you can listen to the Mention It All podcast anywhere you listen to your pods. We have new episodes every Monday, Thursday, and Friday. They're nice little bite-sized pieces of Bravo yes. audio bliss. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Dylan Hafer and follow at Bravo by Betches for all of the all of the Bravo goodness. And guys, if you want to see a, um, I don't think it was shady, but a wonderful question and, and a nuanced question that I asked Heather Gay at the Salt Lake City <laughs> um, little media shenanigans Zoom screener situation that Dylan and I both attended on Monday, you can do so on my social um, Instagram at Dame Galley. And uh, bonus episodes available now, patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. Starts at $2 a month, gets you love and joy. $5 a month gets you two exclusive bonus episodes. $10 a month gets gets you four and then there's a premium cackle tier if you want to do a just a little kiki with me solo one-on-one no big deal um fun employed so that is my primary (laughs) um way to pay my con ed plus sometimes time warner and i so appreciate all of you especially in this time who have supported me and supported andy's girls and also supported the idea that at the end of the day regardless of how you feel about my opinion you understand that i have the right to share it and so i think that is the one thing that we can kind of that big galley energy that we can take into today november 8th um uh dylan love you you know i die for you love you forever love you too. i'm gonna put your bravo bops in the show notes for this week's episode oh, so you guys should all listen and i know i am as soon as this is done and um shout out to all the jews that i'm gonna be kicking with in my feeding enjoy <laughs> enjoy and let <laughs> us all talk. say to everyone but ivanka and jared Shalom. Shalom. All right, guys. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Stay safe. Wear a mask. Drink. Oh, unless you don't want to. Um, and for what, drink tea or water. Hydrate is what I'm trying to say at the end of the day. Um, and we'll talk to you later. Bye, guys.